You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com. You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. Welcome back to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio, alongside my wife, Pam. Hey. Each and every week, we spend some time going where you want us to go to answer your questions, what's on your mind, what will help you in your married life, Mm -hmm. the good, the bad, the ugly. Everything in between. That kind of covers it all, doesn't it? The way you let us know what's going on with you is you can call our voicemail line, 214-702-9565. That gets you towards the front of the line. Or you can send us an email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com where each and every voicemail and email is read, listened mm-hmm. to, responded to directly, or becomes a show. Right. And for over the eight and a half years we've been doing Sexy Marriage Radio, uh, it truly is listener-driven radio, if you will. Mm-hmm. The SMR Nation is huge to help us each month as we go along and... They also are huge because they help us spread the word. So if you like what you got, what we got going on, and and anything speaks to you, please speak to others about it, and jump on iTunes, rate and review, leave a comment um, on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, however you listen, whatever media. Yes. We are so grateful that you do. So we are in the dog days of summer. It's now August. Hard to believe. Hot. And so the heat is definitely there, depending on where you are in this country or the world. You know, it could be another part of the world that you're listeners, because we have, hey, all you down in Australia and New Zealand, um, you guys are bundling up for winter. Yeah, and, and closing <laughs> down again for COVID, I guess. Yeah, yeah. as we head into some uh, unknown times as the school uh, year gets started here in the States, uh, we wish you all the best in mm-hmm. navigating uncertainty, mm-hmm. because if there is one thing 2020 is ringing true, it is the year of uncertainty, isn't it? That Yeah, got to be flexible <laughs> and and got to be flexible in relationships, right? Um Here we go. Who knows nice what's segue. Happen? That was that, I was about to say that exact same thing, babe. Hey, you great minds think alike. Behind, and so do ours. And so do ours. <laughs> been behind the mic for a while now. I like it. So coming up on today's regular free version of Sexy Marriage Radio is a conversation that I got to have with Dr. Kathleen Smith, who is a fellow Bowenian family therapist. Okay. So she does family systems work with Mm -hmm. her clients up in the D.C. area. Mm -hmm. She has a book out entitled Everything Isn't Terrible, aptly titled, although it wasn't written to come out just right now. It's been out for a little bit, so Mm -hmm. little did she know how appropriate it would be in 2020. <laughs> right, right. Let's have a positive outlook here. And so we just have some conversations about anxiety and depression and how that could just run rampant. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the ways we can start to just lean into that is what's our self-talk? What are we doing? How we can how we control on ourselves and Right. So it was a fun conversation and then coming up on the extended version which is deeper, longer, and there are no ads, you can subscribe at smrnation.com forward slash smracademy. We continue our conversation, but here we kind of, it's not necessarily geek out, because anytime I have guests on um, that are in the field and have some research or books or different things they've published, I 
I love getting into the nuances of the statistics and the research formulas and all. how do they come to their stuff, right? Well, this time, I guess a better phrase would be we theorize out. Okay. Because she being um, a Bowenian therapist, we just jump into the world of Bowen family systems theory. Okay. And that gives, I guess, our listeners a, a deeper like life application on how this applies to them? It Well, so... To set the stage, and we'll talk about this in the extended content, Bowen's systems theory um, describes really well and accurately what goes on in families and how we carry it forward, and then it wreaks problems because of that the dynamic of a system. Okay. There are different uh, seminal things to be thinking of that are just standard in every system. And so we get into some of the nuances of how do you see this playing out? Mm-hmm. What do you see most with your clients? What stands out the most about why you chose Bowen theory? So it does, mm-hmm. we get a little academic, but I think it's going to be a conversation that if you've been around SMR Nation for any length of time and you've heard me speak about systems work, there should be some light bulbs that go off. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. It just hasn't been framed that way. Mm-hmm. And I see this is how it plays out for me. Yeah. And that's the hope is you start to see the more I can understand the landscape I'm within, the better I can navigate that landscape. Right. So all that's coming up on today's show. So joining me today for the, today's episode of Sexy Marriage Radio is Dr. Kathleen Smith. And I'm really intrigued about this conversation. And largely, Kathleen, it's because the title of your book um, is Everything Isn't Terrible, Conquer Your Insecurities, Interrupt Your Anxiety, and Finally Calm Down. Um, it seems very appropriate to with the world that we live in right now of anxiety is running rampant insecurities are everywhere and people are freaking out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything does feel terrible most days. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I could never have predicted that the the title would be so relevant for 2020. Absolutely. So I guess to start Kathleen, I would just to love, uh, to hear how did this come about for you on what, what kind of drove, drove you to landing on this for a work? Cause you know, producing a book, it's no small feat. So it's it's got to speak something deeply to to where you've been and where you're going. Yeah, you know, I'm a therapist in Washington D.C., and so I have a lot of clients who are readers. They're sort of your anxious overachievers, yep. and they are always asking me, "Tell me what books to read. What should I be reading?" They want homework, right? Uh-huh. Got it. <laughs> and you know, one of the dilemmas as a therapist is there's a lot of things that are very academic, very theoretical, right? And then there are a lot of pop psychology books that just have sort of one idea that gets repeated over and over again. And what I wanted to be able to do is to give them a book that says this kind of summarizes the theory I was trained in, but in an accessible way that's narrative and that describes what it looks like as people sort of inch by inch are working towards having calmer, more mature relationships in their life. And that's what I tried to do. And hopefully uh, it's been helpful for lots of folks. And um, it's just sort of a guide and it's uh, a description of what it looks like as people kind of grow up um, yep. while they're working on themselves. So what is the one thing that would be your go-to when you're talking about how do I deal with anxiety? Yeah. So the, you know, the theory and the ideas I were trained in is that we look at anxiety in relationships. Right. You know, when you, when you think of anxiety, it's easy to think of it physiologically, right? Maybe what's physical symptoms you experience 
or maybe you think of negative thought patterns and sort of from that vein, which all of that is very helpful and relevant, but it's also useful to look at yourself and say, how does my anxiety get me into trouble in my relationships Right. (laughs) and how, you know, my family, where I come from, my marriage, you know, how I interact with my friends, my coworkers to see how anxiety is at work and how it's adaptive and useful sometimes, but then other times it really gets in the way of, you know, the person you're trying to be and and having a, a more intimate relationship with somebody. Okay, so let's go the two sides of that. Yeah. How how anxiety can be adapted and useful, and then how it can just wreak havoc. Because <laughs> because that's one of the things I think that's a little uncommon is to think most. I mean, because this has been my experience too. Is most people when they think of oh, I'm struggling with anxiety. That the real goal then is I got to get rid of it completely. Mm-hmm. But I think you're in the camp that ah, it's not going to necessarily go away. So let's look at the two different sides of that coin. Yeah, well, I think just first, I think anytime you're doing something different, if you're growing up, you're going to experience more anxiety. So sometimes it's a, a sign of progress, yes. right? That you're kind of mixing it up and going into the unknown. But when I say anxiety is adaptive, it means if you think, you know, we've sort of evolved to do certain things, we have an autopilot, right? When we're stressed out. And for some people that autopilot might be to distance, you know, to avoid tricky conversations, um, to just talk about sports or the weather, right? Right. Right. Um, And that's not good or bad. It's just sort of a thing that we do to keep things stable in a relationship, to not talk about sex, right? Right. That's a, a stabilizing decision. Right. But then you have to ask yourself, what's the cost of that? over the long term, right? Right. But, <laughs> um, absolutely. Because yeah. one of the things that happens in that particular topic even is I don't really want to talk about it, but I want to have it. <laughs> right. And, right. So, and I want it to be novel and spontaneous. I mean, all these different things that we can add as a litmus test to it. I think of <laughs> this is how I quantify it as good, but yet sure. the struggle to talk about it. And then you wonder why is nothing changing in mm-hmm. my life? Because I don't talk about it. Yeah. It's, you know, people are allowing the the anxiety to create this stability that gets in the way of having more interesting and fulfilling relationships. Okay. And so then if you're dealing with anxiety, would you be, because I'm in the camp of, I'm, one of the things I try to think of is this idea of anxiety tolerance. That, you know, because you, you're talking about when you try something new, it is a sense of, yeah, that's anxiety provoking. It's going to happen. So how do I tolerate that better to see it through and create the new norm? Is that, is that kind of where you're coming from too? Yeah. I mean, I think what I think happens a lot in relationships is that we feel distressed or anxious or nervous and we assume the other person is like, it's our own anxiety, but we're like projecting it onto the other person, Okay. (laughs) you know, and there's this sensitivity that we develop, right? We think, Oh, um, I need to come up with a perfect way to introduce this topic, or I have to be very careful when I mention sex or because I'm going to spook, you know, or scare the other person. And when we treat it like a sensitive topic, we become more sensitive to it. (laughs) Right. Shocking, isn't it? If you walk on eggshells, you know, the other person starts to think, well, maybe this is upsetting, right? You sort of reinforce the sensitivity. And I think what people start to realize is that, if I can put up with a little bit of the discomfort, but, and, but also act like it's a manageable thing that I can talk about, right. That nothing's going to explode. No one's going to die. Right. right? Then the other person kind of calms down as well. It's contagious. You know, the calmness is contagious also. And so I think people 
who can put the focus back on themselves and say, how do I stay calm about this? Not how do I keep everybody calm? How do I keep my partner, my spouse calm? Then it's a little bit easier to talk about some of these tricky things. Right. If that makes sense. It, it does. <laughs> and my anxiety is kind of going up right now because I have an 11 week, almost 12 week old puppy right at my feet starting to bark <laughs> at me saying, uh, notice me and pay attention. So, <laughs> so then you would like this idea of the phrase that those that can't control themselves seek to control everything around them. Absolutely. And that is adaptive. Yes. <laughs> it works well sometimes. Okay. But, you know, but to a, to a point. Okay. You know? What's the difference then on what, what makes it adaptive to where it's working versus not? Yeah, at some point the wheels fall off the wagon. Like you, (laughs) you introduce a certain amount of stress, and what you normally do doesn't work anymore. Right. You know. Right. And and people end up getting tired of being managed. I think too, they start to kind of buck up against that. Sure. And so then you start looking at this the idea of how how am I just like you mentioned earlier how am I um, handling myself and confronting what's going on to to just addressing my own anxiety rather than projecting mm-hmm. and also absorbing other people's. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I think what people want to do is they want to rush into the relationship piece of it and fix that before just looking at themselves and going, how do I dial down my own sensitivity and anxiety when it comes to thinking and talking about sex or okay. things related to it, you know, and what would it look like to engage in thinking about it and being able to talk about it you know, in a way that is less sensitive okay. and that, you know, and often the other person can meet you there because you've done that work yourself versus, okay, we need to do this together okay. or you need to do X. That's perfect. And so then how does one do that work? I guess oh, it's probably the, the crux of this whole conversation, Kathleen, in it, that if you, if we were to kind of put it all in a nice little bow for people and I realize it's not as simplistic as what we're describing, but but what do you say? You get curious about it. You know, whether that's listening to this podcast, other podcasts, reading books about sex, relationships, I don't know, reading novels. There's all sorts, sorts of things you could do, right? A look at the science of it. Yeah. Um, curiosity, you know, it engages that front part of your brain, the part that can think and solve problems right. and be objective. Right. It's not the lizard brain that's freaking out about <laughs> it, right? <laughs> and it's just so- reacting. Exactly. <laughs> And I think that that, and you know, that curiosity can be contagious as well in a marriage and a relationship. Um, but we want to rush to the other part and have the other, we, th- we know so well what the other person person should do, right? We sure. <laughs> seldom stop to think and go, how do I be more curious and more interested in this? Because I think curiosity really is the, the antidote to anxiety. Okay. And so what do you think then if you're talking about curiosity? Because I think of things in terms of higher desire, lower desire. I think there's probably one person in a partnership that is more naturally curious. Mm-hmm. That's what drives them into whatever they do in life, whatever they do in marriage, whatever they do in sex, that they just have this natural bent. Whereas the other is going to be more reserved, more reluctant, more stick in the mud ish. That's a technical term, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so how do you, if, if I'm married to someone that really struggles with that, that creates another level of anxiety. Sure. So what do we do? 
Because that is, that is one way you stabilize things is we must be on the same page. We must do things exactly the same way. You know, you must have the same level of interest in sex as I do. Right. Or or then you start to catastrophize. Right. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, and so if you can say, you know what, I'm going to do this my own way. If I can share my thinking, I can share what's interesting to me. I can share ideas that I have with my partner, with my spouse, mm-hmm. uh, but they may engage with it a different way Yeah, and that that's okay. And I think it's the, it's not the difference that causes the problems. It's the intensity and the anxiety we bring to that difference Okay, that exaggerates or complicates the conflict. Yeah. So, so I almost I almost hear you saying the person that's the higher curiosity person needs to use that superpower towards their partner's reaction to their curiosity. <laughs> right. That is they, a person. My spouse reacts to me. And so I need to now rather than just like, oh, how can you do whatever? How? And, I, you know, because we can have that lizard brain, you know, deep down, just mm-hmm. a reaction. How do I move it towards the, the prefrontal cortex area of my brain that then is doing more of the whole, huh, I wonder what the, what their reaction and re- response is coming from. And, and now all of a sudden I'm using that same kind of skill set. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think the key is not to overfunction for the other person. You know, I work with a lot of couples, you know, they get, they start talking more about sex. They start reading things and they start giving homework to their partner in their <laughs> and they're checking up on them. They're saying, have you finished this book yet? Like, right. how are you doing? You know, and that's not, first of all, that doesn't put anyone in the mood, right? Like that's, no. <laughs> that doesn't generate intimacy at all. Right. And because they're trying to manage how the other person works on themselves and thinks about it. Okay. And, you know, that doesn't mean a person can't be honest and say, this is really important to me, or let me share what I've been reading about or what I've been thinking about. Uh, but when you start to manage and try and function for the other person, I think that really trips you up and gets right. in the way. Right. Because uh, people don't like to be managed. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's an element of, I sum up a lot of couples, if not all, including my own relationship under the, under the auspices of, I love you, but don't tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that that runs rampant because it seems like at some point in our married life, we get in this mindset that I know what's best for my spouse when, no, I really don't. I know what's best for them in the way I would want them to be. But if I follow even that all the way through, that may not be what I want. Yeah. And I think no thinking, you know, what's best also is accompanied with mind reading. And then we start to assume or that we know what the other person is thinking or how they're, they'll react. Okay. We assume that they don't have their own ideas and thoughts to contribute. Right. And, you know, maybe they do. <laughs> and that goes back to that curiosity and saying, what do you, what do you think we're going to do about this? You know, I have a, a higher sex drive. You have a lower sex drive. How are we going to figure this out? Right. I'm just really curious what you think, you know, that's so different than going, oh my goodness, you know, we need to be on the same level or right. this is a catastrophe. How are we going to stay together? Right. Those are two very different ways of talking about the same issue. Right. Totally. And so being curious about the other person's thinking, giving them the space to do that thinking can be very helpful for folks. Okay. And then that goes right back into what you started this conversation with, with the book of even that route in and of itself is going to be anxiety provoking. And so then it's that, 
I got to calm myself down. I got to mm -hmm. stick with what matters and what, what's, what's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, if you can see the goal as managing your reactivity and not coming to a compromise or to, to, you know, the problem being solved right away, that allows you for, to have an ongoing conversation okay. and to continue to share ideas and challenges with each other. Uh, because it's not something that gets fixed right away. It's something that is always a conversation is all, you know, is always a piece of a marriage. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Cause I, I have the belief that marriage is not a problem to be solved. And even the whole concept of sex in marriage is not a problem we solve because right. it, it seems like that's kind of like re rearing a child that as soon as I figure out that stage they're in, it changes. Right. right. Because now all of a sudden something's different in their brain or their environment or just their developmental stage. And it's all, all bets are off on what I knew because mm -hmm. my 15 year old still doesn't stay in a playpen. Right. right. <laughs> so, so it's realizing, okay, we got to look at this differently. So is there any other last kind of thoughts that are just from what you keep seeing with the clients that you work with, your view of what's going on, and then the book that you, the work that you've got, um, what's the other, any other last thing that's just like, make sure you're also aware of this and doing this because the anxiety piece is huge, but what else is there? Well, I think it's easy to do the work on yourself and to think about it, but there is that second relationship piece. There is the actual contact, the actual conversation that has to happen. Right. And okay. I think that that is the most anxiety provoking part, right. You know, and, um, it's just a piece of it. And it's, it's, if you can do it in a marriage, you can do it almost anywhere. And I <laughs> think true. people for, forget that we, we tend to focus on specific issues like sex, politics, religion, right. all the things that can cause conflict. Right. And it's not, like I said, it's not the issues, it's the intensity and being able to work on that is so beneficial to other aspects of your life. Yes. And I think people, they get so focused on the issue. They forget that all of that work multiplies and is so useful elsewhere in life. So if no other reason, you know, <laughs> you're going to get the, the multiple effects. That's, that's great. Cause that's the thing I love is that we're all, we're always in relationship, right? And it's beyond just our marriage. Mm -hmm. It's in every aspect of our life. And so when I work on one, I'm working on all. Absolutely. And, and that just enhances our life and all our relationships. And then all of those and that, how it touches and it just as a domino effect. Mm -hmm. Sure. Kathleen, I'd love for those of the members of the SMR nation that uh, are wanting to check out more of your work and find your book, how, tell them how they do so. Yeah. So my book is called everything isn't terrible and you can buy it anywhere you buy books. And I also write a weekly anxiety newsletter called the anxious overachiever. And people can just go to my website, which is kathleensmith.net. It's free uh, to sign up for that. Perfect. Well, Kathleen, thank you so much for uh, just the contribution because anxiety is one of those things that it can be such a buzzword, but it's, it's really not. It's so much more than that, right? It's, it, it, it's a drive wheel. It's a, it's a fuel and it's also a debilitating thing. And so I love the framework of, of trying to recognize both. So yeah, absolutely. Thanks, thanks so much Lord. for the time so far. Bowen's work. If you are a, a true uh, theorist in the marriage and family field, Bowen was accredited and all the people that really do love Bowen, mm -hmm. they accredit to him. His theory is the only true theory. 
that it's the one that's most researched and seen all the way through and truly does encompass life. Okay. Where a lot of others are more situational theories. Okay. And so that doesn't mean anything to you, but it does something to me. <laughs> so I'm just, just, just kind of pointing that out. The, the phraseology there, I immediately go to the one true God. Oh. <laughs> right? And I'm like, hmm, okay, we hold someone on a It's not that far. No, this is among human terms and dealing with human systems. Understood. The, <laughs> wow. That, that took a turn I wasn't expecting. <laughs> Well, here we are. But I love having a chance to have uh, conversations with other people in the field uh, and other professionals just to, just to hear how, how do they navigate um, the world of mental health and the world of families mm-hmm. and just the dynamics that we all face. We're all affected life. by this, yes. If there's one thing I think hope, I hope people recognize in the SMR Nation is you are not alone in your problems. Right. Right? That what you face, other people face as well. Mm-hmm. And so if there's something left undone from today, let us know, 214-702-9565 or feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. So wherever you are, whatever you've been doing, thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. Mm -hmm. See you next time.